0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, July 10th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Timonini.
1: And I am Broadway star's James Marino.
0: James, uh, normally we do a little banter here, but you've got uh, a little bit of programming, uh, operational information you want to share.
1: So we're going to try a little bit of different format for Today on Broadway. We're going to bring you some headlines at first, and then we'll uh, double back and do some discussion after. So what's up in the news First.
0: The first story, James, is that last week it was announced that Stephen Sondheim's Follies starring Imelda Staunton, Tracy Bennett, Janie D., and more would be broadcast from London's National Theatre beginning on November 16th in theatres nationwide.
1: Second story of the day is that stars join Chasing Rainbows for Lab. Later this week, there'll be a two-day lab of the new musical Chasing Rainbows, The Road to Oz. The show focuses on the journey journey of Judy Garland from Vaudeville to Wizard of Oz. The Lab will feature Jason Van Max Von Vanne- Essen, Karen Mason, and Ruby Rakos as Garland. Is that R- Rakos? Rakos, do you know?
0: Uh, I was going to go Rakos. Rakos, Okay. Uh, Next up, in an interview with California's Orange County Register, Alan Menken dropped info that he was working on a stage adaptation of the animated film Hercules for Disney. Menken wrote the score for the 1997 film along with lyricist David Zippel. It appears that it is still early in the developmental process, but it is coming down the pike.
1: Uh, next up, grunge musical in development for Seattle Rep. Uh, bust out the flannel shirts because last week Variety announced that Wendy C. Goldberg and Matt Schatz are developing a new musical featuring the catalog of Seattle-based grunge bands Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Change, and Smashing and Pumpkins. No official song lists have been announced yet.
0: James, I believe that we have previously discussed the controversy around New Zealand's Art Splash Festival and unauthorized lyric changes with the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. This was brought to the attention of lyricist Tim Rice via Twitter. He harshly and quickly responded, saying that any changes were unauthorized. The cuts in lyric switches came in the song Close Every Door. Once <laughs> once Rise made his thoughts known, the festival quickly responded and claimed that it was, quote, an unintentional and innocent error. Now, Andrew Lloyd Webber has weighed in with uh, speaking with the Guardian, saying, quote, that song is a serious moment and a key point in the show. It is about the connection Joseph suddenly makes with Israel. Tim was paraphrasing the Bible, and it should be kept that way.
1: All right. So that's the headline section of uh, Today on Broadway. So we're going to go back and talk a little bit about each one of the topics we just brought up. So uh, Imelda Staunton led Follies to uh, screen in the cinemas. So we chatted about this on uh, This Week on Broadway on Sunday. Uh, And um, why don't we give the – what's the details on it? November 16th in Theatres Nationwide? (laughs)
0: Yeah, November 16th, it is um, a, a huge cast of 37 people. Um, it's it's a big production. Everybody is familiar with a lot of these NT Live productions. They are great quality out of the National Theatre in London. Um, it'll probably, for most people, it'll be just on November 16th. I said beginning on November 16th because a lot of the smaller non-chain theatres um, do these l- – screenings on various days so definitely check your local theaters um but this should be a great one you know uh, we keep hearing about that amelda staunton's gypsy is going to transfer to london or transfer from london eventually Uh, the the longer that we keep having to wait uh, the less i think that roundabout is bringing that in so if that doesn't happen at least you'll get to see amelda staunton in a musical at some point well both written by Stephen Sondheim, at least in part. So, um, so I guess we'll get something from Imelda Staunton in a Sondheim musical this year, whether or not it's Gypsy in person in New York. Who knows?
1: So it's not a uh, it's not a live stream. It's a you know, no. live, live to tape type of thing, or
0: correct? They usually do them really quickly. Um, you know, it, it's the same thing that's going to happen with Angels in America from NT Live uh, later this month. Um, this obviously with a time difference, that would be really odd for people um, oh, to yeah. be watching at like 2 p.m. in the afternoon here uh, on the East Coast or uh, I guess for them to be doing it at like midnight in London. But yeah, they're they're live to tape and then um, their broadcast usually turned around fairly quickly within a week or so.
1: That's great. Um, really looking forward to that. And we have to keep our eyes on that
0: gypsy thing because <laughs> – <they're, they're laughs> I mean, we've been talking about it, James. Yeah. I think I think the rumors started before Today on Broadway started. So it's been a while that they've been talking about this thing coming in. The rumors have always been that it's coming to, to roundabout. I mean, I heard – I don't know if it was a year ago or nine months ago that – an announcement was imminent. And then she went off and did, you know, Virginia Wolf instead. And then they just couldn't get the, the rights, you know, to, to, to line up. I mean, it's been a whole like eight months since there's been a Broadway revival of Gypsy. So, you know, <laughs> you need to have another Broadway revival of Gypsy before it gets to a whole year. <laughs> so tell us about
1: the Chasing Rainbows Lab.
0: Well, this is one of those things that, you know, we try not to talk about a ton of labs unless they're big, just because there's a lot of them. But when you start getting people like Jason Danielly and Max von Essen uh, into a show about Judy Garland, this one seems like it should be especially interesting to theater fans. The show, as you know, the the title suggests, Chasing Rainbows, The Road to Oz, talks about Judy Garland's life leading up to when she made that big star turn in The Wizard of Oz. She – you didn't know, Judy Garland was not born Judy Garland. She was born Frances Gum, and she started off as uh, as a vaudeville performer working her way up to becoming, you know, America's sweetheart, in that in this musical follows that journey to get her to The Wizard of Oz. This will be a, a, a three-performance industry-only lab. Um, it'll feature a book by Mark Asito, who Co-wrote *Allegiance*, um, and and it'll have choreography from Dennis Jones and Matt Lentz will uh, will be involved. Um, who's a Judy Garland and *Wizard of Oz* historian? It, it's a production between the Flat Rock Playhouse, which is not something that I'm familiar with, but also Goodspeed Musicals. So this is something that, if it goes well, I would imagine we'd see over at the Goodspeed Opera House in you know, a fairly short order. They generally, um, do these labs fairly close to when a full production might be staged. So this does have a, a, a fairly large ensemble. So I'm guessing that this is something that will be seen on stage in, uh, in Connecticut fairly soon.
1: Uh, Flat Rock, I think is in North Carolina. Um, is it, uh, I think I, I could be wrong there. Um, Pretty sure Flat Rocks in North Carolina. So, uh, and they're similar sized uh, to uh, Goodspeed Opera House. So, yeah. I, I'd imagine that it's a shared production. It'll go back and forth there. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Um, and certainly, Judy Garland has enough fans uh, in and around <coughs> Broadway set that this could uh, this could be very, if it's done well. Um, well. What was the uh, it, Broadway show? Over the Rainbow, Under the Rainbow.
0: Over the Rainbow, Over the Rainbow, which is ironic because, as we mentioned about Follies, uh, that uh, Follies production of The Mouseton is co-starring Tracy Bennett, who played Judy Garland in Over the Rainbow. See, it all comes back together.
1: <laughs> so, uh, in our next story, uh, Disney's doing an ad- adaptation of Hercules. That's not uh, a split off um, um, from Hamilton. It's Hercules Mulligan musical.
0: No, no, that'd be interesting, though. It's actually a spin off of the Eddie Murphy vehicle, The Crumps. You know, Hercules, Hercules. No, no, that's Nutty Professor. Is it? I don't know. Anyway, uh, no, this is um, a stage adaptation of the animated musical that came out in 1997 that featured music and lyrics by Alan Mencken and David Zippel. Um, it had just an unbelievably huge voice cast of, of Broadway stars. Um, I have to admit, though, it's not one that I. Um, You know, it was a little after I was in high school, wasn't really one that I was super into, but it does feature Danny DeVito, James Woods, Susan Egan, Rip Torn, Lilius White, um, Amanda Plummer, um, Keith David, Charlton Heston. I think LaShawn sings on the uh, on the the cast album as well or soundtrack or whatever it is. I mean, it does have a lot of good musical theater Um, connections in it it's not one that i think i've ever seen all the way through but as they're as Disney's cycling through all of the movie musicals that they made eventually they're going to get to this one and pocahontas and and tangled and the princess and the frog they're just kind of ticking things off one by one using that ip and making sure that uh, uh that they're they're maximizing their profits
1: uh have we had the discussion about pocahontas I think uh, Colors of the Wind uh, is one of the most beautiful songs ever written.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't think we ever talked about it before, but it is, it is definitely a good one. That's a, that's a Schwartz one, I believe, right? I think so. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think it
1: is. is yeah. hmm. um, and, and, you know, uh, one of the things that happens here, you know, they have their intellectual property back catalog. Their, as you mentioned, they are just digging through it and seeing what they can find out here. Uh, eventually, you know, uh, Disney world in Florida could have a whole Broadway park. It would be nice. They could build just 30 theaters and just stage all their shows in, uh,
0: well, yeah. I mean the, the down here, what's, what's interesting about Disney down here in, in central Florida is, is that one of the, the great visions that the people who've run Disney have had is that, Long before they had any inclination as to what would go there, they started buying up real estate around their central Magic Kingdom. So they have so much land around Disney. That's why when they start saying, we're adding Avatar land, we're adding a Star Wars land, we're doing all these things. You're like, where are they getting all this land? And that's because they had the vision of forethought to purchase a ton of real estate around their parks so that if they wanted to add a few theaters here and there, they could. I I mean – James call me crazy but I think if if they did a a sit down production of Newsies or aladdin or beauty and the beast um in a park I think that that would do fairly well they do have smaller shortened productions of like beauty and the beast that's like 20 30 minutes they also have the um it's not a you know, what we would consider a full production from a Broadway perspective, because it's only about an hour, but a a really fully staged production of finding Nemo, the musical over at animal kingdom, which I think is a totally underrated thing. I think um, that was by Robert and Christian Anderson Lopez. I think that's really, really good. Um, So I think if they did something like that, whether it was, um, you know, 30 theaters, which they probably could fill at some point, but if they had one, we're like for six months, we're doing newsies for six months. We're doing Aladdin, you know, and after the shows have closed, six months we're doing, you know, Little Mermaid, you know, then they're bringing in um, a hunchback. You know, I think they really could. I think that would be interesting for a lot of Disney fans.
1: Hey, it's funny you mentioned Finding Nemo because I, I saw it a number of years ago and raved about it when I got back. I, uh, I uh, yeah. I thought that it's great. And it's very clever, smart the way that they stage it with the black lights and and make those characters come to life. I, and it's really good. I think the book and musical, uh, the book and music to Finding Nemo, is very good. But it you know doesn't surprise me with the Andersons, the Anderson yep. Lopez's. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. So uh, grunge musical in development for Seattle Rep. Uh, the thing that I have to say about this is, uh, didn't we
0: already have American Idiot? Um, ah, James you're going to split hairs here is that, that, that no really it, no No, 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 no. Um, Green Day is what's known as like pop punk. They're post-grunge. Grunge Grunge is going to be more in the early to mid-90s. Green Day kind of came in the late 90s, early 2000s when they really hit it big. Um, They were a little more punky towards the, you know, 96, 97. Um, But this is more of uh, things like Nirvana, um, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, Pearl Jam. I've got to admit that one of the greatest things – in my life was getting the Pearl jam uh, debut album 10 I still remember getting that and I was so shocked that I got it for Christmas one year because I was a little Catholic schoolboy no one ever you know let us yeah. get those things uh, in my house but I got it anyway little did my grandparents know when they got it for me but um yeah this is really interesting i as I said I kind of grew up with this music i don't know how much I would enjoy a musical of this just because even though there's definitely a variety of the style of of music between Nirvana and something like Soundgarden I love uh, Soundgarden you don't really have opportunities for upbeat fun songs so where you do have with American Idiot some more upbeat, lively songs because they weren't necessarily grunge. They were a little more punky where punk has, um, you know, a tradition of some upbeat stuff. While these might have a couple of up-tempo songs, there's definitely nothing upbeat in terms of the vibe in here. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. Um, You know, if I was in Seattle, I would definitely see it, but I don't know that this is something that I would foresee being a good working, you know, arc musical.
1: I'm hoping that we don't see Eddie Vedder do a uh, tap number and kick line.
0: <laughs> well, what's interesting is is that this show is being mined from the catalogs of BMG Publishing, and they don't mention Pearl Jam in there. Eddie Vedder, the lead singer of Pearl yeah. Jam, so I wonder if that's just a they they're with a different record company. I don't know off the top of my head what record company they were with. Um, you know, and I don't. This is going to be a fictional book musical, so it's not going to be a. a uh, you know a bio musical of the grunge era so um i don't i don't know i don't know how i feel about this one james okay uh
1: and as we've talked about uh previously Andrew Lloyd weber and, and uh tim rice not happy with the joseph changes um uh i it seems like that story happened so long ago and Lloyd weber's just coming out now and
0: pushing back well it- it's been a couple of weeks, um, but what's interesting is that it's because it all kind of happened on Twitter. It took a while for people to actually get anything official out there. There was a story last week, which we kind of went, we kind of overlooked because, you know, it didn't really do anything new. But Tim Rice uh, finally talked about it on the record. Basically, I, I guess it had to do with the miscommunication or a misunderstanding from the folks down at the festival in New Zealand who thought that – Oh man, this is kind of stupid. Um they thought that in the song when he when Joseph says children of Israel, that they were that the writers of the show were making a statement on the Israel Palestine situation and not realizing that Israel is another name for Jacob and so they were trying to avoid any political controversies. So I don't know, James, just dumb people. I mean, come on. <laughs>
1: Uh, You know, uh, when you do a production of Joseph, I mean, you you have to have, you know, 50 some odd people involved with it between the cast and the creative team and at at least 50 people. And out of all those 50 people, they couldn't figure out that. Anyway. All right. So let's uh, get into some more um, listings here. What's the theatrical schedule look like?
0: All right, let's just run through some of these things that are beginning previews or officially opening this week. Tonight is the opening of Pipeline at Lincoln Center, directed by Lilian Blaine, Liliana Blaine-Cruz. It stars Tasha Lawrence, Morocco Omari, Karen Pittman, Namara Smallwood, Jamie Lincoln-Smith, and Heather Velasquez. Tomorrow night, we have a couple shows beginning previews. The first is a parallelogram by Bruce Norris at Second Stage, starring one of my favorites, Celia Keenan-Bolger. Also, we have the first productions of the hopefully hopefully – Not controversial production of Shakespeare in the Parks, A Midsummer Night's Dream at the Delacorte Theater in Central Park, starring Annalie Ashford, Danny Burstein, Christine Nielsen, Felicia Rashad, and more. Then on Wednesday, we have the first of just a handful of performances of Off Center's Assassins, starring Stephen Boyer, Alex Brightman, Victoria Clark, Clifton Duncan, John Ellison Conley, Shuler Hensley, Aaron Markey, Stephen Pasquale, and more. Then on Thursday, we have the official opening over at the public theater of Sam Gold's Hamlet, starring Oscar Isaac, Roberta Colindrez, Keegan-Michael Key, Gail Rankin, and more. James, we're starting to get into the time of the year when we're starting to see some more openings. This is good. This is exciting.
1: Yeah, that is uh, really good. I I can't believe uh, the, the Hamlet is opening already. That, I'd, I'd,
0: yeah, it seems like a short nowhere. preview yeah. process. It, yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, I have to arrange my tickets for that. that that'll that be my job uh, this morning. <laughs> so uh, Oak is mashing up Hamilton, a great comet.
0: Yeah, he uh, finally weighed in on the uh, hashtag ham for all thing last week, and he did a really cool um, – I guess, uh, you know, mashup of, and I don't know all the songs that are in there because I'm not that smart, but it's a really nice thing where he, um, Takes the 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 piano track and starts doing a song from um, from Hamilton, weaves really nicely into Great Comet. Obviously, as we know, Okuritanadawan was the, one of the original stars, as you mentioned, Hercules Mulligan of of Hamilton, and he is going to take over as Pierre and Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet of eighteen twelve tomorrow. Uh, this actually came out a little more than a week ago but because of the july 4th holiday we we missed it and i figured with him moving into great comet tomorrow is a good time to share that one
1: that is great all right so that wraps it up for this new sort of format let us know what you think about this format um you know matt will give you all the information in just a second so matt why don't you get out of here
0: All right. Thanks for today. Thanks. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter at BWW Matt and subscribe to Sound Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher or Google Play.
1: And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for starting Monday off with us. And we'll be back and talk with you tomorrow.